Welcome to this week's Pardon the Disruption. I am your host, Matthew Potter. Every time we start the show, CJ talks some nonsense, and then he gives a compliment to the host, to the judge. So I see the strategy now. Mr. RJ Bates. We don't have any NBA questions. So I wanted to throw in the NBA today by saying you guys are like the Detroit Pistons and San Antonio Spurs. I feel like Steve's skin is like slightly lighter. Uh, so shout out to, uh, shout out to Steve. <laughs> We have Mr. Leon, do not forget the G, Barnes. The G in Leon G, Barnes stands for growth. We haven't had a lot in my life on my face, so we're trying a new experiment. PTD has made me better. Absolutely. Greatest outros of all time right there. What is going on, everyone? New year, new changes around here on PTD. We hope you enjoyed our uh, intro there. I'm your host, Matthew Potter. And we're going to go ahead and get into it with a breakdown of our show's rules. Um, five questions. Everybody will get one minute to answer. Um, during that time, though, I will be awarding points based off of their actual argument as well. And then also during their two minutes uh, afterwards. And then at the end, uh, somebody's going to win. Likelihood is don't bet on RJ Bates this week. That's, that's all I'm going to say. We're going to start it there. All right. We're going to start with intros uh, with our reigning champion. Uh, young Ralphie grew up with him. Uh, we have CJ Jefferson out of Richmond uh, VA. Richmond VA, Chris Jefferson, always good to be here. Uh, it's good to see you, gentlemen. Happy New Year. Uh, excited for another episode of PTD. There we go. All right. Next up, we have Leon. Do not forget the G Barnes. Collective Genius, go ahead and introduce yourself. Happy New Year, everyone. I am so in, uh, ready for our first episode of 2024 and uh, just was caught off guard there for a second because I heard that we had rules on this show. Since when? Is that new <laughs> show, new year? We have rules now? I'm excited for this. Maybe, maybe RJ and CJ will actually adhere to those rules this year. We'll see. If I was a betting man, I would bet against that, Leon. I'm just letting you know, man. All right, next up, Mr. Disruptor himself, Steve Trang. Introduce yourself to the people. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Steve Trang, Real Estate Disruptors. New year, new me, new PTD, right? We're changing the format just a little bit. Hope you guys are enjoying it. Um, our videos are going viral. I am being personally attacked on PTD. <laughs> it's outrageous. So if you guys are subscribed, please, or if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe so, and to defend my name because I am being assaulted verbally inside the comments. My ego can't take much more of it. Absolutely. Offend or defend, make sure you subscribe. Uh, go ahead and take some shots at uh, Steve. We're, we're having a lot of fun there. Um, last, certainly not least, coming to us from DFW, we have RJ Bates the third. Introduce yourself. What's up, everybody? Uh, new year. CJ still doesn't have any energy. Steve still doesn't have a personality. <laughs> Leon still doesn't have a barn or a barn, a beard. That's what I try to say. Still doesn't have a beard. And uh, Potter still sucks as a judge. <laughs> Man, coming in guns blazing from the barn over there. Thanks, bud. We appreciate it. All right, we're going to go ahead and get into it with our first question, which is going to be based off of this video. Kansas 
what y'all didn't see was RJ actually just polished off an entire box of Pop-Tarts while that was playing. <laughs> I just want to go ahead and make that clear for everybody. All right, so for question number one, real estate investors use the same marketing channels like the same postcards, cold call scripts, etc. Should they stick to what works or should they get creative? Start us off, CJ. Look, I think you can get creative in your skill set. You know, I mean, you know, marketing channels are marketing channels. And and right now, the low cost marketing channels for many are winning because, you know, the lower the cost, more volume that you can do. You know, so like when it comes to cold calling, for example, and I know RJ is huge on this, Steve as well. I think it's a skill set gap. You know, if you want to really get good at doing deals, if you want to be able to separate yourself in your marketing, what is what is your skill once you actually have a seller communication? Uh, I think so many people are focused on the copy and paste of. Oh, is RJ cold calling or is Steve doing this or is, and, and everybody's just trying to copy and paste those things, not thinking about the skill that has to be attached to that. So, yeah, I mean, I think you got to get to a point where, yes, you're all, we're all going to be using the same marketing channels, right? But can you get creative in your skill set and how you're doing deals? Solid point. Like it. That's uh, that's good. That's good insight there, CJ. We appreciate the energy level being at the highest that it's ever been uh, today from you as well. That I don't, I don't know where the points are going to land based on the energy level though. All right, Leon, what about you? Are we getting creative or are we staying tried and true? So first of all, the Pop Tarts bowl that was awesome. I love the creativity. I probably haven't had a, uh, a Pop Tart in forty years, uh, <laughs> but uh, I considered uh, having a Pop Tart. Um, the answer to the question um, that I landed on is yes and yes. Marketing, as CJ said, is marketing. In, in this business, it all works. If you're consistent with it and you have the skill set that once you a lead is delivered, that you can convert on that lead. Uh, but I do think that you need to get creative uh, within those tried and true channels. I think that all we know, it all works at some level. So how do we get more creative to stand out from the other people that are doing similar channels as you? And I think there's a way to go about doing this. One of my favorite things on a quarterly meeting is, did you see what such and such is doing with direct mail? They're putting offers and they're doing this, they're doing that. So we're always looking at getting more creative, but using the channels that we know are tried and true. There we go. I mean, I don't know about a point because you haven't had a strawberry frosted pop tart since like '94, bro. I, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. We'll circle back on that one. All right, Steve, don't let us down. Creative or tried and true? Where are we? Uh, you gotta do the both. Uh, I think that you gotta have RJ is probably gonna say hedgehog, right? I think you have to have the hedgehog, and I think you have to have a little bit, you know, a small amount that's dedicated to innovative, something a little bit different. You're going to masterminds. You're listening to the podcast. You're seeing what other people are doing effectively. Dabble in it. Try it a little bit. Uh, Jim Collins calls it firing bullets before firing cannonballs. So have a majority of your budget, 90 plus percent, stay the same. That's working effectively. And trying something else a little bit. Nice. See if you get any traction. If you get traction, do, go a little harder. If you don't get any traction, well, you didn't waste a lot of time and effort on it. So I think you have to do both, but focus predominantly on what's working. There we go. Okay, Steve. All right. Um, give you a point on that one. One thing, though, that we need to consider is that uh, your cartoon behind you right there where you went where you went ham uh, on your marketing budget, lost, what was dabbled. it? Dabbled. dabbled. 100, 142. Dabbled. All right. Dabbled. Dabbled. <laughs> All right. 
Fresh off of combing his beard, uh, removing the Pop-Tart remnants. All right, RJ, what about you? No, real estate investors should not get creative with their marketing. One of the number one problems that real estate investors and wholesalers have is chasing shiny objects, right? They want to go find the the new unicorn that's going to make them successful. And it's like, dude, we all send the same postcards, okay? We're all cold calling. We're all sending texts. We're all buying now paper lead leads. Like, do what works. Stop trying to recreate the wheel. Get better at comping. Get better at talking to sellers, closing deals. Get better at dispositions. This is where your focus should be. And if you've got a well-oiled machine, then and only then should you try to come up with something creative. Case in point, Eric Burr. He's got a well-oiled machine. So then he decided, hey, mom, do you want to go on TV? And it worked. But it was only until he had the well-oiled machine before he tried to do something creative like that. Point for RJ on that one. That was a solid EB reference there. We appreciate it. Way to bring EB's mom into it. We we appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I would say as far as creative, right? We're not saying be completely innovative. We're doing something completely from scratch. I'm going to do something that's never been tested, right? Like of us are not in the innovation space uh what i'm talking about is keeping your ears on the ground seeing what's working right like we started using lead zolo after closes olympics after seeing rj have success and then we started by dabbling seeing if we like it right hey we're getting contracts let's go a little bit harder on it but if it was a complete bomb we would stop it but we didn't go hard we didn't just throw 15 20k a month into lead zolo we just put a couple thousand so that's what i'm talking about like creativity is just dabbling a little bit and see what's working for someone else. See if we like it, see if we don't like it. And RJ, to that, to your point, how, how do you know, like if you're just, if you're watching this and you're just starting out, how do you know what is tried and true that they just, they should stick with? How do they know that? Well, there's enough information out there just on YouTube alone for free that says, Hey, cold call, Hey, send out this direct mail. What I'm saying is, is if you decide that you're going to do direct mail and then you decide you want to get creative and come with your own postcard or your own letter like that's where you get lost like dude we go talk to rei print mail and they say this is the postcard you send this is the letter you said don't try to recreate it yourself what pop tarts did here was very creative and innovative no one else has really done it you, we've mentioned it before outside of maybe duke's mayo with their bowl game that was creative i'm not saying that hey you shouldn't try the 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 tried and true methods. That's where the, the free information is out there, Leon. They they yeah. know what works and what doesn't. Sure. What's, pissing, what's where... pissing me off is RJ's crushing my dreams of sending Pop-Tarts. I was going to say, mail. dude, the way that RJ says Pop-Tarts, just off that point for RJ, like he's like, Pop-Tarts. Like he's all excited over there. I'm sending so, I'm sending Pop-Tart direct mail. Absolutely. I think that was our, I think that's where we were answering, both Steve and I were answering from is that, you know, bowl games have been around for a hundred plus years. And, you know, no one has done what Pop-Tarts has done. And so we were assuming that, uh, at least I was, I'll speak for myself here, that investors have tried and true channels and always should be looking at what else can I do to help conversions at a higher level? Excuse me, conversions is the wrong word. How do I get more leads uh, from that particular channel uh, from what I'm seeing currently? I do think you need to be creative and think outside the box and why communities are so great because you always know 
what new innovations people are trying in their particular markets or regions of the country. And I, I am shocked that CJ, our in-house marketing professional, is not suggesting anything in regards to A-B testing. No, CJ, I was are just, you running the same Facebook ads for uh -oh. the last 12 no, no, no. months? Uh -oh, I, was, you, I, was, I was letting y'all finish, honestly. You woke the sleeping uh, giant. Here we go. But, <laughs> no, I was letting y'all finish. Steve, you used the word test. Uh, business is kind of simple, right? Like you have to create a baseline. Here's the problem. Most people in the like to get in the wholesaling, they, they struggle to create a baseline because they're too busy trying to copy and paste. You have to create a baseline of what does work. Mm, right. Mm -hmm. And that and, and like that's why like I hate when people like talk so much about KPIs because it's like, why do people think that everybody's KPI should be the same? Right. That's not how business functions, right? Point like you CJ should be developing your baseline KPI indicators, all right, or your baseline, you know, what marketing data is telling you. And then you should be getting creative and testing other things, split testing other things to it against your baseline to see how it impacts it. And if it's like Steve said, hey, I try Lee Zolo, it started working really well for us. So we went and got more into that. You know, it's 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 because we don't even know that this worked for Pop-Tarts yet. All right. Like, there's no data to support that it's worked. What was, what was the last time anybody <laughs> talked about Pop-Tarts? I mean, it absolutely worked. Potter. I mean, any anyone outside of the Bates household, probably like 2006, maybe. I don't know. Right, so right. clearly, Pop Tarts worked here. It, it did. Real quick, Potter. Uh, here's you get ready to give me a couple of points here. No thanks. This is why Leon is the Pistons. Okay, like even in his answer, he's agreeing with me when he's trying to disagree. <laughs> Leon, if you go to Collective Genius and, and, and one of your guys inside of Collective Genius says, "Hey," Here's what's working in my marketing. And then you take that and you copy it. You're not being creative. You're literally just copying what somebody else does. It's not being creative at all. I, I, I can see a point for RJ there, but I'm waiting for Leon to destroy him back. Let's go. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's a valid point. My, what I'm saying uh, to the creativity is that, you know, these are ideas that people are coming up with that are thinking outside the box and iron sharpens iron. And that's why you go to communities like ours, because you get you get your creative juices flowing because you see what someone else is doing in their marketplace. So creativity typically breeds more creativity. There we go. OK. All right. I enjoy the round. I hope that you guys are enjoying the new scoring system better. Uh, it gives everybody more of a fair shake. And I don't have to listen to RJ's crap anymore, which is great. Um, I'm thorough. I'm thoroughly happy about that. Looking forward to Leon and uh, Steve stepping it up with uh, question number two. I'm sure that Steve has an answer for this one. Uh, what is one of your most embarrassing moments as a leader of an organization? Why don't you start us off, RJ? Yeah, so it's one of the best moments of my life. It was when I was a general manager at Pizza Hut and the man from corporate showed up and walked my restaurant and said that I was nothing but an over-glorified shift manager. I should have never been promoted. He said it in the lobby in front of my employees, in front of some of my regular customers. And it was my last day at Pizza Hut. And it's looking back, I was extremely embarrassed because uh, it was a shot directly at me and who I was as the leader of that restaurant. And it, but it also woke me up. And, and what I was truly embarrassed about is the fact that I had dedicated eight years to a corporation that essentially did not care about me at all. 
knowing that I had so much more to give. And so looking back at it, it was one of the best moments, but it was also a highly embarrassing moment right at that moment. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, real quick, was that pre-RJ Bates beard? Uh, there was there was a goatee going on. Yeah, that's what it is. The goatee's <laughs> yeah. not good enough. We needed the beard, man. We, yeah. that's, that's what it is. I'm glad that she got out of the hut, though. Yeah. I, I am. All right, CJ. What's going on, boss? Most most embarrassing moment as the leader of the organization. Give us something good to work with here. Nah, I I was I remember a day in 2017 having to tell uh, people working for me at the time that I couldn't pay him that day, um, and that was like uh, it was embarrassing and humbling, you know, at the same time. But it was it was embarrassing because it was never a conversation that I've ever had to have before. Uh, but I was in a position where you know. Like I had like had a conversation with a bankruptcy attorney and I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. Uh, and it's embarrassing when you've got people whose families, you know, depend on you. They depend on you. They believe in you. Uh, so that was definitely an embarrassing moment. Uh, but I, I'll say also that, you know, and it speaks to the people that I worked with at the time. Like they, they rose behind that, though. Right. Like they believed enough, you know, in, in my humbleness, they believed enough. Uh, that we could kind of rise out of that, uh, you know, which we did, you know, within a year or so. Uh, but definitely most embarrassing moment by far. Man, yeah, that's definitely, uh, that's hardcore. All right, point, point to CJ on that one. And then I don't want to leave my man with the rose-colored uh, cups over there, the drink cups. You guys know what I'm talking about at Pizza Hut. I, I got I to go ahead and uh, award RJ a, uh, a point for his um, embarrassing moment. All right. The man who clearly has had no embarrassing moments in his life, Leon G. Barnes. What about you? Most embarrassing. I appreciate you saying that. I struggled with uh, coming up with an answer for this one. Uh, but then RJ reminded me that time that, uh, remember the, the Book It uh, program that Pizza Hut had? Yes. And you had to read a certain amount of books and you got a personal pan. I'm so embarrassed that time I walked into RJ's store and he called me out for not reading all the books I said I read to get Yo. that free pizza. I, dude, I totally forgot about that. Thank you for helping me remember that embarrassing moment. Um, for me, they all go back to, um, very similar to RJ, go back to my corporate days and working my way up the corporate ladder. And, um, you know, looking back, uh, as a young leader within the organization, I look back at all those opportunities that I had uh, to lead. And, you know, the one thing they do teach you really, really well at the corporate uh, level is that as a leader, you have to always be on. And I remember all those social gatherings where I was not on, uh, probably had a few too many pops. Um, and I, I look back now at those and it's super embarrassing today. I probably wasn't embarrassed in my my late 20s and early 30s at the time, uh, but those are the those are some of the things I think about the most of what a jackass I was <laughs> in my late 20s and early 30s. Thankfully, I've grown out of that. I absolutely Thank love <clears throat> that Leon worked in Book It on PTD today. <laughs> like, <laughs> you got to be of a certain age to remember that. Yo, book it's where it was at. We're gonna we're gonna throw a couple points on the board for uh for book it. J just that alone. All right, Steve. What about you? Most embarrassing as a leader? It actually happened just right now. Um, about <laughs> about two or three minutes ago. <laughs> it was when I found out that we got an over glorified shift manager on PTD. Like I had no idea that we had done this. Yo. Um, 
now, but congratulations on the uh, on the upgrade. He's not just over glorified shift manager at Titanium while Cassie runs the show. Um, so, looking back, uh, there we had an, the very first time I asked Gary Harper to come out to run an annual meeting. This was in 2020. He came out and ran an annual meeting, and he gave me a very heavy dose of humility. You know, I thought I knew what I was doing. I've read the books. I've taken the courses. I'm coaching people. Right. And he came in and he just pointed out every single thing I was doing wrong as a leader of an organization. That was tough. Right. So I would say that was embarrassing for myself because I thought I had a higher sense of self-worth. I was like, ah, oh, damn, this sucks. This whole two day annual planning sucks. So I would say that's probably it. That's that's number one. For the oh, absolute man. daggers, hold on, RJ. For the absolute daggers that Steve just shot at RJ right there, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and throw three on the board for Steve <laughs> with the glorified shift manager. Let's go. All I'm gonna say is is about that moment with Leon when he came in. That was actually <laughs> right before the guy from corporate came in. Because what happened is, is I looked at Leon and I said, you clean-shaven bastard. You didn't read Animal Farm. You don't even know that Boxer and Clover are horses. And I threw the personal pan right at him. And went all over the floor. And that's when the guy walked in and said, your restaurant is a mess, RJ. Nothing but an overglorified shift manager. Thanks yeah. for bringing that up, Leon. You're yeah. welcome. And I was saying, the hut was the hut, man. That was you went there for dinner like it was a fine dining establishment. That's back in the day, right there, man. That's back in the uh, day. But definitely, what CJ is talking about, I man. That's that's my greatest fear. My greatest fear. Yeah, is like, hey, like. CJ, I've this. been there, bro. And, and you're right. You bring that up. That that is a. Uh, you want to talk about a humbling moment. Yeah, man. As an entrepreneur, convincing people to come work for you and and be the driving force behind your organization and then having to look at them and say, hey, guys, I can't write you a check today. I, I've been there and it's it's a very, very humbling moment mm -hmm. for sure. No, 100 percent, man. It uh, it puts things in perspective uh, because, you know, I think sometimes, man, when you're an entrepreneur, you're hitting it so hard all the time. You're just going for the gusto. Uh, and then things progress to a point where it's like, all right, now you got people that depend on you too, right? Like imagine if you're right, you know, we're at, I used to work at T-Mobile. I can't imagine if T-Mobile would have came in one day and said, hey, yeah, nah, it's a wrap, man. Like we can't pay you today. Um, so yeah, I mean, but I think that's the conversation we got to start having too, but entrepreneurship is real. Like it's, you know, it's, it's tough, right? There's, you're going to run into those challenges for sure. Great point. Point for CJ. Uh, Going to give a point to RJ as well for absolutely destroying uh, Leon. And the truth has come out. Leon G. Barnes has not read Animal Farm. Um, so there you go. Uh, only serial killer novels. That's the only thing that he's reading these days. All right. Next up uh, for our next question, we have our viral video topic of the week. Go ahead and check it out. It's a live look at RJ going after Pop Tarts right there. <laughs> well done. All right. Uh, go ahead and start us off on this one. Uh, go ahead and start us off, uh, CJ. 
<laughs> what is the scenario where you have overreacted like this? <laughs> what is the scenario? I don't know that I, I can't say that I overreact. Uh, I'm not, I'm just not somebody that just overreacts to scenarios or situations. I'm pretty slow to the draw. Low energy as RJ would say. <laughs> um, you know, I can't really think of a time I've overreacted. I mean, not to that extent. Uh, you got to be a bit stoic. Uh, I mean, this guy's in a courtroom. I don't know what this, I don't even know the context of the situation right here. I mean, this guy does a Superman dive at the judge. Uh, I mean, that's probably the fastest way to make sure you stay in jail. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't believe in emotional decision-making. I'm just, I just don't believe in it at all. Uh, so anytime I feel myself getting emotional, like doing a deal with RJ and he, he's texting me 30 times a day about the status. <laughs> all right. And I, and I just want to call him and snap, you know, like I, I, I pause, all right. I get a little still and I say to myself, I'm like, Star J fucking Bates, you know, like <laughs> I, I, I can relax, you know. Uh, so I, I don't really get too too excited. Uh, cool as the other side of the pillow. A couple points to uh, CGA on that one. He's always just calm, cool, and collected. All right, Leon, what about you? Um, scenario where you've overreacted like that? Well, first of all, I used to be able to jump really, really well back in the day, but I've never been able to fly. Uh, like that that was uh impressive for context cj he had just uh the the judge basically said she wasn't going to give him parole and he just absolutely snapped. <laughs> uh, i can say that i'm very thankful at you know the days of my life this chapter going back to the old book it this chapter of my life uh i try not to make emotional decisions like like cj and i don't think i really have a lot in my life. But if I look back on something most recently that, you know, I probably um, overcorrected or overreacted, um, hindsight, it made sense uh, at the time. But hindsight, you're going, man, I cost myself a bunch of money. And that's when in March 2020, when we all looked at what our inventory was and the world was shutting down, the NBA had shut down, the NCAA tournament had shut down, and we went, oh, my gosh, I've got 20, 30 properties here that I'm about to start rehab on, and I don't know where the market is going. And so if I had any overreaction to that, it was fire sell. Let's get rid of everything because we don't know where the market is going. And at the time, that was the right decision. Well, looking back, had I finished those projects, I probably would have doubled or tripled, if not more, my revenue. So most recently, say from an overreaction standpoint, looking back hindsight 2020, it's it's fire selling during COVID. Solid overreaction there. A couple points to uh, uh, Leon on that one. Definitely not pulling out his Superman anytime, flying over the uh, desk there. All right. What about you, Steve? When was the time that you overreacted like uh, our friend here in this video? So like CJ, I'm fairly <laughs> stoic. 99.9% mm. of the time. <laughs> Negative one How, point. However... <laughs> Uh, what might surprise some of the people watching is I've had the police called on me multiple times. <laughs> well, three um, points. <laughs> and uh, one, of those things, one of those things that I, that generally doesn't sit well with me is when I'm told no. So um, I had a situation where I was buying a home, house I currently live in, and we had this ridiculous realtor wasting my time. And she wouldn't hand me the key to go look at the property while she was previewing it, locking me and my family out, trying to look at the house. 
And like I said, wasted like 15, 20 minutes of my time. And when I went, it's like, hey, can I have the key now after you waste all my time? She said, no, I can put it in a lockbox. Something snapped. <laughs> I kind of said in very loud volume, give me the key, right? Um, and she said no. And then she walked all the way over to the lockbox, put the key in. Being a responsible realtor, by the way, like she was doing that part correctly. That's the only part she did correctly. Um, she said to me that I can't believe you would talk that way in front of your kids. And I followed up with maybe I wouldn't. I'm only talking that way because you're acting like a, something that sounds like a horse. And um, <laughs> yeah, she called the cops. Wow. Uh, she filed <laughs> code of ethics hearing. Um, fortunately, my friend is actually in charge of the board of ethics. So it was, it was no, no problem. But I got a personal phone call from the real estate commissioner for the Department of Arizona to tell me how disappointed she was in me. So wow. that's probably a slight overreaction on my part. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I saw the entire play by play of this and it was hilarious. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Steve a couple hey. points because he did clean it up a little. But Ooh. yeah, that's, I'm I not- mean. I'm not going to lie. As soon as he said he got the pop on the cops um, uh, called on him, the first thing I thought of is, where's the popcorn? I need to, I need to, to tell me more. This is why, this is why in your continued education, realtors, shout out to NAR, by the way, that they, that they tell you to lock the door behind you. This is why. These crazy people that are out here looking at these houses, getting emotionally attached. Don't, don't come in there and beat you with the cookie tray, man. Learn Dude, something listen. new about you today. Hey. I got two hot buttons, wasting my time and telling me no. If you do both, <laughs> we're going to have problems. All I'm going to say... I'll be 10 minutes late next week, man. <laughs> All I'm going to say is that was the day that 420 Steve was born. Right there. Wow. That, that was it. All right, RJ, what about you? When was the time you overreacted? Yeah, so mine was just a couple of months ago, and I found out what happens if I feel like someone is trying to attack my children. Uh, my Ooh, son scored the game-tying goal in a tournament game against a team from St. Louis, and as he was standing up uh, from scoring the goal, as he got knocked down from a dirty hit from behind, that player – then chopped his leg from behind with his stick and Trinity fell down. And legitimately I thought he was hurt because he's never stayed down on the ground. And where I was standing, I had to walk all the way around the rink. And as I was walking around, he stood up and I stopped right in front of the St. Louis parents and the, the MC in the arena started playing the jeopardy music. And I'm watching Trinity lit, like barely be able to move his leg to get off the ice. And the referee decides that the goal was not going to count. It was no goal. And all of the St. Louis parents cheered as loud as they could as my son looked like his leg was broken. And I was triggered. I turned around. I dropped 38 F-bombs on their head right there. <laughs> I told them all to get the F out of Texas, go back to Missouri. I don't know how these people even live with themselves. I continued to walk around a corner. One dad tried to approach me, asked if I wanted to fight. I then asked him if he wanted to, if that's how he wanted the rest of his story written. 
Then I went around and I, I consoled my son, told him what happened, then yelled at the entire team and said, they all cheered that your teammate got hurt. Fucking make them pay for it. My son went out on the ice, had the game-winning assist, right as I was walking back in front of those parents. And let me tell you, I let them all know exactly how I felt about it. I'm I'm surprised y'all couldn't hear me yelling in Phoenix. It was that loud. So we actually did. I I, I think it was on the group texts. We actually saw the yelling and the yeah. anger there. Uh, first off, I got to give a point to Leon for the popcorn over here. That was a beautiful. I love that. Point point to RJ on you know taking care of his uh, you know taking care of his son there. Um, for everybody else though, maybe there's like a a way that we can correlate this to basketball so we can understand it because nobody watches hockey. Can I just say this? This is, you know, RJ, all those times that Jimmy Breland was on the show and you just (laughs) gave it to him, this – they all knew. Everyone in St. Louis listened to you. Jimmy's in his cronies. All right. The the best part about my story is we then have a tournament in Chicago – and we have to play the exact same team again. And so when I walked in the arena, all of the parents turned around simultaneously and looked at me and go, he showed up. Oh, <laughs> that was when it was like, okay, I might've taken it a little bit too far. Yeah. Let me, let me speak for everyone, RJ here, where I, I can say we're all disappointed in you. Yeah. We're disappointed in me. I didn't get called by the, the commissioner of realtors in Arizona. Sounds very RJ ish. <laughs> Point to CJ on coining RJ ish. Listen, so, I so just wanna, I, before we move on, I just want to, you know, save the other examples, uh, Steve, but I can't wait to find out about the other times the cops were called on you. That's what I want to know. So, uh, yeah, uh, I got cleared by the police, I got cleared <laughs> by the Board of Ethics, and and there was some other nutcase realtor that was coming at Potter and I pretty hard. <laughs> and we took the lessons from this one. Yes, we did. And got him an ethics violation. That was like one of the best days of my life. Dude, um, it sounds uh, like you're on board with hating realtors. Are, are you yeah. joining the RJ and CJ train here? I, think I so. agree with you guys. He, the 80% he not, of them he's are not. useless. <laughs> I've agreed with you from day one. 80 to 90% of them are useless. I'm just saying you can't disregard the whole industry because... 80 to 90 percent of them aren't so bright which by the way thank you for bringing that up rj i'm going to take away one of your points for tagging me in your damn reel the other day about how you don't like realtors so by the way, that was really good well done, RJ. I like it, that. It, it was actually i would if if i was on the other side even as like the listing agent i would have been like dude i'm not even working with you now like fine yeah. just send me over a cancellation have a great day so, so I can understand why, your frustration. This explains why Steve, you know, he's getting a cop, cops called. Now, he may have gotten cleared by the Realtors Association, but he can't fly TSA pre-check because nope. of these issues. <laughs> no, That's he can't. Why he can't wanna, Steve, Steve's on the no-fly list. <laughs> I just want to see Steve in, like, a police conversation. <laughs> you know, like... Negotiating with a cop. All I, all I can think about is, like, one of those people on, like, First 48... It's like as soon as they give you like a happy meal, he's just like he's snitching on Potter, man. He's like, nah, it's Potter. Conversation ended. He said, Listen, I'm gonna let you go, Mr. Train, 
because you know you didn't physically harm the realtor or anything like that but you wear those mom jeans one more time <laughs> listen cops love me i i cut off an unmarked cop car going 105 and got off with a warning right cops love me <laughs> who knew that 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 steve been living thug life all Dude. his life who knew? Yeah, that's why he likes nwa it's making yeah. sense bro <laughs> It's it's why he's got get rich or die trying on the back of his door. I thought he was all about the hug. I thought he was all about the hug life, not thug life. But <laughs> yeah, hug that's life. not true either. Hug life. <laughs> oh yeah, man. hug life is crazy. <laughs> Yo, uh, point I'm for first forty-eight. Point for hug life. Point for RJ <laughs> over here. Um, you sound like I'm, Oprah just now, man. Dude, I am Oprah. Point for everybody, Bro, man. Hey, if I had my board, man, I'd be lighting you guys up. But, you know, there we go. <laughs> yes. That's great. Uh, all right, we're going to get to our next question. If there was a real estate investor portal, which role, position, acquisitions, dispo, etc., would garner the most attention a la NIL. Why don't you start us off on this one, Leon? I think it depends upon where you are in your business, uh, the phase of, of, of business that you're in. If you're starting out and you're, you know, um, you know, younger in the business and you're looking to fire, hire your first couple of employees, I think it leans, your quarterback would be acquisition, someone that can convert leads and uh, do, do deals. I think that's where you would, you would go to first. That's who would get the most NIL money. But I think if you're an established uh, someone that's looking to grow and scale their business as an investor, I think by far the quarterback of the real estate investing portal would be an integrator, a COO, operations. You can't scale without that talented person to help you operationally because most real estate investors, let's face it, are entrepreneurs, uh, they're visionaries. Uh, they chase shiny objects and operations is one of the hardest. So by far, that operational role, if you have an established business, would would garner the most NIL money. Ding, ding. Two, two points to you on that one. Integrator, very important. Uh, speaking of shiny objects, Steve, what do you think about this? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I completely agree with uh, with Leon. You know, uh, I posted something on Facebook last week. I'm looking to build a company worth $100 million, right? I can't do that without the right operator, without someone with experience. And you look around, you know, I actually have, <laughs> I'm supposed to be in my quarterly meeting right now, right? We got Amanda Dean next door and she's running our quarterly meeting. Like that is talent that anyone else would have loved to have been able to hire if she, would, if she ever became a free agent, you know? So uh, the biggest lever in every organization is gonna be the person right next to the visionary because the visionary can have big dreams <laughs> but they're so busy dreaming, they can't get anything done. The integrator, the COO is the executive that um, implements and executes the vision at a high level and makes sure that everyone else inside the organization is operating or is gone. So I would say the COO. Definitely. Point, point to you on that, Steve. It's very true. All right, RJ, what about you? What, who are we dropping in the portal? Appreciate Steve sounding like chapter one of traction. Great job, Steve. <laughs> uh, Thank you. I'm Point gonna go with the, what, what is going to garner the most attention is going to be acquisitions, just like the quarterback does for football teams. 
you know, in the in the transfer portal. The teams that are going to win are going to be the ones that go out and get the quality dispositions managers, the ones that can get the most amount of money. This is going to be your offensive and defensive linemen. I, I say it all the time. It's the most – it's the least talked about topic, subject when it comes to real estate investing. How are we actually selling these deals? Who is doing it? What are the steps that they have to take? Um, it's the most underappreciated, and it should garner the most attention – but it doesn't because it's not sexy. Um, getting the contract sexy is what everybody wants to see. Um, so garner most attention, acquisitions, but it should be dispositions. All right. Yeah, we. I can see a point your way on that. Acquisitions very important. Uh, thank you for that. We appreciate you as the number one lead manager in Dallas Fort Worth. As always. All right, hey, CJ. Take my point away. <laughs> I, I will take yeah. your point away. Now now I'm gonna take it away and give it to CJ. How about that? Smart, smart. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean acquisitions, people are a dime a dozen, really. And in, in terms of if you if you look hard enough and if you know where to look, you can find quality acquisition people. That's not extremely difficult. Finding a quality integrator. I think is probably the hardest position to fill in all of business in any business. Uh, I mean, somebody that can run operations, that can manage and, and, and handle reporting, uh, somebody that can take thoughts, ideas, visions, and map those things out, create processes in which to execute from. If you go company to company with people in our industry, people in any industry, the people that are not where they want to be at, that's generally the key piece that they're missing. They're missing somebody that can strongly, uh, you know, manage operations uh, and, and facilitate growth within the business and data back growth. Um, shout out to mine, and Deandra. I appreciate you. Um, yeah. If you don't have an operations person, it doesn't matter how good your sales rep is because you'll never be able to grow. You'll never be able to scale. You'll never be able to bring in more sales reps. So that won't really matter. You got to have somebody that's managing that operation by far. Facts. So I could say for sure who I wouldn't hire is an over-glorified chef manager for Titanium. Oh, my God. There Shut we up, go. Steve. Point, point to Steve. <laughs> point to Steve. DJ, I got a question for you. You said good acquisitions people are a dime a dozen. And it's funny you bring up a dozen because in case y'all forgot, I won the Closers Olympics 2021-2023. We haven't, we haven't mentioned that in 2024 yet. New, New Year. New Year, same, RJ. Right. There's always a dozen competitors in the Closers Olympics. So just out of curiosity, if there are a dime a dozen, how come I'm the only one that ever closes deals in the Closers Olympics? Uh, Got to give him a point on that one. I close yeah, that's a, that's a fair question. Um, you know, you're not getting like true sales leads, right? You're getting inbound leads, really. Oh. You know, like how good do you got to be <laughs> with that? Like the person who can close cold traffic, right? That they've never interacted with a day before in their life. This is the first time we've ever interacted. That's sales, man. Like if you can have that conversation and sell somebody. I know somebody who's got a good sales training. Closemoresales.com. Shout out to the guys over there. All right, go to the link. All right, click on it, fill out the information form. And all I want you to do, all right, this is all I want you to do. All right, is I need help. Put in the comment box, put I need help on how to really sell. This is why I said it's phases, right? If 
out of the gates, I think acquisitions and disposition is, is, is huge. And I think it would garner the most attention uh, depending upon where you're at in your business. But Steve can attest to this. When we meet uh, quarterly at our community events, you know, you can always tell who the best integrators, operations, COOs, whatever, you can always tell because of the business and you, and you, what you can't tell is typically that they are employees. I mean, we don't need to, they don't need to hear this, but every single one of them would double their, their salary. More than likely. No question. No With question. the exception of a few, I think of a few guys that I know are, are, are well compensated um, and they have great leadership that takes care of them at a different level with the exception of a few, but most would double, um, you know, our good friend, Ren Bartlett was one of those at one point, uh, Amanda Dean, who you mentioned, Steve, Frank, there are some fantastic integrators that could double, if not triple. Yeah. yeah. Dude, RJ, you think, you think Pace Morby would still be doing what he's doing if you took Co Cody Barton out the picture no, and you just no. threw in a bunch of, you threw in a bunch of RJ Bates sales reps. <laughs> See, that's, that's solid well, you argument know, for CJ. That's why I know that, that the person that would garner the most attention is yeah. that role because most times when you know someone that has a big business, what do you typically say? I need one of them. Exactly. Yeah. Right? I need one of him's I, or hers. I need one of those on my team. Okay. That's why yeah. I know they would garner the so most. So I told, I, I actually had a conversation with Eric Brewer a couple, uh, a couple of days ago. I was like, look, right now I'm looking to hire a Benmont. Yes. Like, that's exactly. It. I'm looking to hire a Benmont to help me scale. And by the way, point to CJ for closemoresales.com shout out. So. Oh my. You don't <laughs> bro, you don't have the board. You know what? Actually, great point, great point there, Steve. I want everybody to go ahead and take a point from Steve. So now Steve. Yeah. Point goes to RJ, point goes to Leon, point goes to CJ. Out of Steve's. Don't ever hey. don't ever try to flex on my authority again. Absolutely Real not. Quick. Real quick, here's where I'm at on like two going back to the question in the NIL transfer portal era. Okay. Mm. When we're talking about an integrator, I feel like that's like the head coach. So that's not something that you could get in a transfer portal. That's not a player. That's like, no, that's a quarterback by that's far. quarterback. No way. Yeah. You're we're crazy. About positions uh, that, you know, within the real estate investing, in, within real estate investing businesses. So they're all, they're all within the portal. Every single one of them. The QB has to know every single play for every position on the entire field. That's their job, mm. right? Is to know exactly what's going to happen for everybody. What route are you supposed to run? What gap are you supposed to hit? Who are you supposed to block? They got to know it all. Like that's being an integrator. See, like, I wouldn't even know what to do today if D didn't tell me what to you do. You finished second in fantasy <laughs> this year. Oh my god, dude! You didn't even make the playoffs, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, shout out to CJ losing a clap and cheeks. Um, <laughs> yeah, shout out hey, to clap and cheeks, man. I yo, can't believe that was I the name of the team. Dude, my don't whole, my whole don't look at me like that, hurt, Leon. Don't, don't look at me like that. I um, killed it all season and then got my cheeks know. got. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> CJ plays in a wild league over there. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. All I right. had to unsubscribe from that league. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, before we get on to our next question, we wanted to go ahead and have a word from our sponsors, Acoustic Force, Pat Hilton. Here you go. The world is changing. So is the world of business. It's never been easier to get your message out to the entire planet. Let me help you crack the code today. My name is Pat Hilton. 
My social media agency can produce you the same custom digital content that landed me on stage at the biggest business events in the world. I've rocked the roof off with the best digital marketers in the game. Getting social media content filmed and produced for your business is now as easy as ordering a cup of coffee and hopping on a video call with your friend. We find trending topics in your niche, coach you through recording in the comfort of your home or office, create engaging clips and graphics, then upload them online and manage all your social media pages. Bring your brand to life. Contact Acoustic Force Media today. Thank you to Pat. We appreciate everything that you've uh, done to help Steve finally have a actually, you know, well, well engaged PTD uh, cha channel over here. We we do appreciate it. We're gonna go. Doing good work. Pat's hey, doing good work. No, he he definitely is, and I absolutely love that everybody's throwing haymakers at Steve in the comments on the uh, shorts. It's it's great. It's, it's all <laughs> RJ's VAs, but it's still great. All right, we're going to get into our next question here. Uh, this is one of everybody's favorite questions. It's a trending topic. The majority of people on social media believe hedge funds are to blame for increased property values. Is that true or not? Start us off, RJ. No, hedge funds are not the reason for the increase in property values. And Point I'm to saying RJ. That I'm saying this to all of you keyboard warriors. Please tear it up in the comments, okay? Hedge funds are not the enemies, okay? The reason why the property values went up is because we have a shortage of houses, okay? The other reason why property values skyrocketed is because we had record low interest rates in 2021 and 2022. I mean, like, this is the reason why people could afford a $400,000 house that they could never afford in the past, okay? It's not because of hedge funds. They don't own that many houses. They're not holding on to that many houses. Get it out of your head and stop reading CNN. <laughs> there we go. I, I like RJ Bates' conviction on that. I'm going to give him another point just for the conviction. <laughs> okay, we're going to go to CJ over here. I, I know CJ CJ is going to give us something good to work with. What you got, man? Yeah, we, we call this saying anything. You know, like are they fully to blame no but are, are are they largely to blame yes and and it's just really simple logic if a lot of the inventory is being purchased and held and not back out on the market it's vastly contributing to the supply demand issue that we have as a country right like that's a simple understanding and so a lot of these properties that are being purchased by funds are not going back out onto the marketplace for homeowners they're being either held or they're being traded fund to fund, right? So they don't ever, these houses don't ever get back to the market. So again, I wouldn't say they're fully to blame, but I think there's blame to be placed uh, on hedge funds for sure. I wonder if there's like half points I can give. Can I give like a half point to CJ <laughs> on that one? Because like, I, I feel it a little bit, but we're only halfway there. All right. What about you, Leon? So... I would lean towards that it's more not than true. I think everything is a math equation, and I think this is part of that. Um, there's, you know, to both CJ and RJ are correct, um, but I do think that, you know, the prior to COVID, 
So 2019 inventory was already low. COVID put lighter fluid on this fire in regards to the importance of home ownership. Coupled with low interest rates and all of a sudden everyone needed a house and didn't care about the purchase price. They cared about their monthly and could they afford that? So you put all of that together and you can say that you, you can't blame one particular thing. It's part of the equation, right? Everything was, I mean, houses were selling in 2020 and 2021 like, like cabbage patch dolls in the 1980s. Inventory was already low. And people wanted them as soon as they could get their hands on them. So it's part of the equation. One fourth, I think, is the number uh, in regards to hedge funds buying um, properties and maybe a little bit less in regards to percentages of how many houses the hedge funds are buying. So they're not they're not taking all the inventory um, and uh, away from those that want to purchase it. But inventory has been low I mean, dating back to 2017 and 18. Very true. <clears throat> I like your analysis there, Leon. I'm going to go ahead and throw a point your way um, for that. Uh, you know, more than anything, just so that it's a competition with RJ here on the point board right now. Uh, you're going to have to bring us home solid. Steve, closemoresales.com. What you got? Uh, I think it's a it's an interesting premise. Uh, I, I don't think they could be much more wrong in, in believing hedge funds are, are, are the cause. <laughs> and the reason why is that point the market... Steve. The market bears, right? Like the property is worth what someone's willing to pay. And what people are willing to pay really came down to what they could afford. And because interest rates were outrageously low to keep people buying things, and because the balance sheets uh, with the Fed Reserve were increasing so that they could buy more mortgaged assets, and everyone got these ridiculous amounts of stimulus money for their down payments, it was this recipe for driving up prices. So if they want to blame someone, it's a pretty simple direction to blame. It's not the hedge funds. So uh, I know our, I know CJ believes that they buy a third or they own a third of the properties. <laughs> it's not quite that high, uh, but beyond that, uh, yeah, I think I think it's an outrageous premise. It is, and in the going back to your point there, Steve, um, you know, with CJ's you know misstep last week where he said he or two weeks ago he said he would eviscerate me for saying. 35% of American <laughs> homes are owned by hedge funds. I mean, dude, we want to go viral for the right reasons, okay? And it's for <laughs> hedge funds are not to blame, all right? Point to RJ I'll, on I'll, that one. I'll take that. I'll take that. We corrected the stat after the show, all right? <laughs> but, but, but nonetheless, right, I think you guys are completely naive and uneducated, if I could be frank. If you think that if you think that that doesn't have impact on the marketplace, that tells me you guys don't pay enough attention. Because it obviously, CJ. I hear what you're yeah, saying, right? Because they're they're buying properties. I hear it. I hear what you're saying, and they are paying more for periods of time than what other people could pay, right? They're paying. They're pushing the comps up, but at the same time, people were willing to pay it because they, all they cared about was the payments. They didn't care about the price of the house. They didn't look like, oh my god, that house was five fifty two weeks ago. Why would I ever pay five seventy for this? But that that didn't happen because of COVID or in the last couple of years. That's always been the case. That's always been how people bought houses. You guys are naive if you think that right. it's not. No, true. for sure that's the case. But recently, right, post COVID, was interest rates went down to the high twos. They went down to the high twos. Facts. Like everything was affordable. Literally everything was affordable. We were we weren't quite uh, the big short where strippers are buying seven houses, but. Sure. <laughs> 
Yeah, but, but it was look, pretty bad. If, if you go back to 2015, <laughs> 2016, when, when rates Steven. were three, three to four percent or whatever they were at the time, people <clears throat> still made purchase decisions the same way. They yeah, anybody who's buying a house, they're buying the and house based on up. how much the payment's going to cost them. Right? Like that. That's just what it is. The question I think is, are hedge funds impacting the 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 market? Is that right? That's the question. Are they the blame for increase? Are they the blame for the, the increase yeah. of property? Yeah. So, so if, if you guys heard what I said, I didn't say they were totally to blame. All right. I said they do have they do have a hand in the pot and they have a very large hand in the pot. All right. Because they have extreme buying power. Right. Like if you look at how many hedge funds or uh, how many properties were sold to hedge funds in, in Phoenix, Arizona in the last Three years, Steve. Do you have any idea? Like an uh, educated talk guess. to Potter. He's the one that's helping them destroy our economy. Okay, Potter. How know. many? How many would you? How, how many would you say, Potter? <laughs> All right. First off, I feel like that was similar to the tag RJ threw on Instagram <laughs> of me. Um, if I'm being if I'm being completely honest, here in the Phoenix Metro, uh, if you're looking at, mm, I would say that they probably purchased anywhere between twenty to thirty percent of the available inventory that fit their res their respective buy boxes. Ah, isn't that interesting? So, are you are we really having Thank a conversation? <laughs> are we really having a conversation saying that if a fund or, or funds bought twenty to thirty percent of inventory that they did not insert back to the marketplace later? All right, those properties never got back to the free market. So that limits the supply that the, the free market is able to take advantage of because it pulls down the inventory. Yes, CJ. By, yes, by, we are in, having this argument. In effect, <laughs> that then increases the property values in total for the rest of the properties on the market. You guys don't think that's accurate? It's affecting the supply, but doesn't change the fact that people buy based off what they can afford. That's I, I hear you on that. I'm asking you: Are you saying now that you don't you you believe? I don't think they teach us at NAR. Are you saying that you don't believe that affects the market? It affects so, supply and demand. Doesn't affect what if, they can put, what they can pay. If you put that 20, 30% back and it wasn't purchased by institutions, it's not a part of the equation. Is that what you're saying? Let's ask that again. You said if we put that inventory back okay, into the market, you take that 20 question. to 30% and it's not bought, bought, purchased by institutions, you believe all of that is purchased by homeowners? Um, no, 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 no. I think, I think more investors will purchase those properties as well. But I would, would could we agree or disagree that hedge funds are going to retain more properties than the average investor that buys a property? Totally agree. I'm asking, we're on the same page here because I have said it's part of the equation. I'm asking Steve and RJ is that that you know those properties, you know, especially 20, 30 percent, that's a major number that that inventory to CJ's point is not. I'm not saying they're fully to blame. I said it's part of the equation, but that's a massive number. That will be rental properties from here on out. Forever. So, Leon, what, ha what would happen, Leon, if that 20 to 30 percent that, that Potter just referenced, what does that do to a market that's already on a tightrope in Phoenix, Arizona at the moment? What would that 20 if half of that went back to the market in the next 16, six months? What does what happens to that market, Leon? Massive well, price drop. Massive price drop. Massive price drop. I wouldn't say right. massive, but potential price drop. Enough, enough that it's going to hurt a lot of people and put a lot what, of people out of business. One number that y'all are forgetting about here is he's saying 20 to 30% of the inventory that was available, but we already had massively known low numbers of what inventory was available. So when we say we throw out loose numbers like 20 to 30%, it's all relative to how many houses you're actually talking about. So, Potter, would you not agree that there was a, a low number of houses even available? 
Yeah. Uh, for example, one of you know one one of the funds, what actually would fit their buy box at any given moment that was active, uh, you know, post COVID until interest rates kind of shot up June of twenty uh, twenty twenty two, there was about two. It was about two thousand homes at any given moment that was actually would fit their their buying criteria. Okay. So, so out of that, you, so out of that, you're talking about forty homes, roughly okay. forty a month. homes. We're we're not we're not talking about it's moving the needle a whole lot. And also, let's not forget that a year ago, an astronomical amount of hedge funds stopped buying real estate altogether. They paused completely. Right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. They did, and it <laughs> and it changed the market. Or did it changed the market. No, how many? No, no, no. The this wholesale. There's a change. Leon, Leon, hold on, Leon. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong because I, I live in a market that has been affected by that. I've seen a ton of Southeast investors struggle um, to, to buy houses. Um, it, it definitely affected um, listings. There are more days on the market. It's definitely affected inventory. But interest yeah, rates affected more. Hold up. Hold up. I'm going to interject something for y'all. I know that we talk a lot about affordable housing on this show, correct? It's one. It's one know. of our. Only it's one of our. Of the show. Oh, okay. Call, of the show. Calm down, there, Steve. Um, the reality is, though, right now with the environment uh, of interest rates, with where our current market cycle is, nobody wants to hear this, and nobody's going to like this. But hedge funds are your actual providers of affordable housing for the masses right now. A lot of these houses are being rented, for example, in Phoenix at two thousand dollars, twenty two hundred. Uh, monthly, whereas if you went to purchase that same home, say on an FHA down payment assistance, something of that nature, that same house is going to run you three thousand to thirty five hundred a month. Yo, so rip that shit into a short. What you got to say now, keyboard warriors? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think it's naive though to say, guys, that maybe today they're not solely to blame, and I don't believe that. I didn't say that in my answer. It's part of the equation, but I think you're naive. If you don't think that that percentage is going to continue and affect values and inventory moving forward. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, completely, it's, it's completely going to affect inventory. There's no question in that part. Yeah, but that, that then imp, imp, has impact to the market, right? Like builders can't keep up. Yeah, listen, it's impossible. No, Look, so what happens whenever interest rates go up, they still buy homes. They just buy worse homes. Yes, right. they still now buy that, homes. All right, here's what's going to happen. buy what they can afford. Here's what's going to happen. I think I said this the other week. So, like, Redfin just came out with a report, I think, this week, right, that 16% of housing is affordable, right? 16%. All right, so what's going to happen, and 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 y'all should really think about not being this naive, honestly, right? Because what's going to because it's going to impact our businesses. What's going to start to happen is our society is changing before y'all's eyes, and y'all are not paying enough attention to it at the moment. In the next 10 years, you're not going to be selling houses to one person. You're not going to be selling houses to one family. You're going to be selling it to multi-families. It's going to be two people's families buying a house to live in together so that they can e even afford it. All right. You so like why recently is this where this come from? That's bro, been happening for years in Hawaii, bro. We've it's had, happened in Hawaii. It's happened in other countries too, but it's going to be happening here in the near future. Are you going to blame? Dude. Are you going to blame what happened in Hawaii two decades ago and why they've been doing that on hedge funds too? <laughs> No, listen, listen okay. what I'm saying. This one, all I'm saying is this, right? <laughs> the the impact is the impact. RJ is fired up. 
if if we you, you can't you can't uh, pray you know to come out here with doom and gloom and then not back it up with the what is what, it what's so doom, what, what's what do you feel is so doom and gloom you were sitting there talking about hey we're not going to sell houses to one people we're going to sell them to multifamilies that's been happening on the west coast yep where a lot of people where hedge funds are not buying where they're buying in the Midwest and the Sun Belt and places like that. This has been happening on the West Coast where the majority of you keyboard warriors are at anyways. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> For years. Yeah, but all right, but that's because that's because to get a shoebox in LA for the last 20 years costs you a million bucks. All right, but what what happens when that's what it costs you in 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 St. Louis? I and mean, that's going to take a long time, right? Yeah. But like, that's what, ha what happens? What, My favorite we ain't going to be around when St. Louis is a mill. No, come on. Y'all, 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 tell me, y'all feel like I, I, this doesn't make sense. Well, you're no, saying it makes it, a lot of sense. I know Leon reads enough that I he can't agree with y'all. Right no, I, I, I've said that that to today's answer, it is not solely to blame, but it is something to, especially in this industry to keep an eye on uh, as more and more funds own more and more doors, there are less opportunities for us. The biggest opportunity you have moving forward, if you want to look at uh, the glass half full, is hold as many doors as you possibly can because in 10 years, you take those 200, 300 doors and you sell them and you retire and then you go sit a Mai Tai in Hawaii. That's what you There you go. There yeah. you so I think Chris, Chris Jefferson and I, we're going to have a conversation after this. We're going to start a hedge fund. That's the plan. <laughs> there you go. Well, you you own sure. a bank, so you should should be able to do that. We'll start there. We'll we'll have we'll have SCB Scottsdale Community Bank fund the hedge funds. Great, perfect. I I like how Steve's worked in like seven promos during this show. Um, he's not going to get any points for it, but you know, we love we love those promos. We're going to start calling him Promo hey, Steve. I, I I defer to the hedge fund expert over here. You did. Thank you. And you know, and then RJ's like, "Oh, okay, here we go, keyboard warriors." So uh, it's 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 been a show, it has. Um, looking at looking at the scoreboard here, uh, we have RJ Bates winning the inaugural uh, PTD of 2024. Um, we certainly do appreciate everybody tuning in. We hope that you guys had as much fun as us. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and do some outros. RJ, say bye to the people. Yeah, man, excited to win this particular episode. I am here to defend all of the hedge funds' rights uh, and, and, and make sure that CJ doesn't tear down the hedge funds of America. Okay? Yay for capitalism. Um, love, love the new format, the scoring system. Hope you guys do too. Looking forward to next week. RJ Bates, Wall Street's secret weapon over here. Thanks. We appreciate you. Uh, CJ, say bye to the people. Yo, great episode. Uh, I'm excited for PTD this year. I'm always excited at the rule changes uh, for my constant winning. Uh, so <laughs> I'm glad that we've now changed the rules a second time uh, to, try to, to try to appease RJ so that I don't win as much. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully this will be helpful. Hopefully this will be helpful for him this year. Uh, I appreciate everybody tuning in again. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, share this with somebody else. Much love. Uh, outros are going to be amazing this year. I'm sure of it. All right, Leon, go ahead and say bye to the people. 
My favorite show of the year so far. Loved it, enjoyed it, learned a lot of new information about Steve Trang and uh, can't wait to hear those other um, elite stories. Uh, my goodness, this is, uh, this is new year, new Steve for sure. Uh, and uh, RJ, I'm going to need you to send me your address uh, for winning today's show. I'm going to send you back that personal pan pizza, my friend. <laughs> yes. Uh, last, certainly not least, uh, Steve, go ahead and say bye to the people. Yeah, fun show as always. Shout out to Charged Up, the U, shout out to Collective Genius, shout out to the Family Tree, shout out to CloseMarcells.com, and shout out to Pizza Hut. I mean, it was a great, great show today. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> All right. We're going to go ahead and leave it at that. And based off of that, um, you know, Steve might end up in some legal trouble. So make sure that you uh, contribute at Steven, stevenslegalfund.com. That's, uh, that's, that's his new website. We will uh, see you guys next week. Thanks so much.